Hello, welcome to the show. This is Minister Ginger London. Thank you for joining the Ginger London Ministry Show on tonight. This is the second session of a six-part series for single adults on getting ready for the right relationship. And so we're going to open up the show this um on tonight with prayer, and we're going to get right into the teaching for this evening. And the teaching is why we choose the people that we love. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get right into the special teaching. Father, in the, in the name of Jesus on tonight, we thank you. We love you. We honor you, Lord God. We humbly come before you on tonight. And, Father, I pray that every word that proceeds out of my mouth will be the words that you have purpose and ordained. For this session on on this evening I thank you for everyone that's on Father God Whether they're in the chat room or by phone That they have an ear to hear what you're saying on tonight Touch the life of every single adult who desires To have relationship according to your will and according to your word I thank you that their hearts and minds are open I pray that transformation will occur That their minds will be renewed Father God And they will begin a journey An exciting journey On getting ready for the right relationship That they will no longer Settle for anything that comes along, but they will make right choices, Father God. They will be the right choice. They will um, have the right character and attitude in relationships, and they will go forth being the best person they could possibly be according to your will and your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for joining, and I don't take it lightly that you all are on the call or joining the show on tonight. I appreciate your support and your time in this, and so I know that if you're here, that you have a desire to hear what God is saying, and so I won't um, take advantage of your time, but I'll make the best use of your time, and so it's going to be uh, pretty intense on tonight. If you're taking notes, um, I'll try not to talk as fast um, so I can slow down so you can get Everything that I'm saying, if you're in the chat room, I've actually posted um, the agenda for tonight on how it's going to go. And for those that are listening by phone, the way that we're going to do it on tonight is we're going to start off first by talking about emotional programming. And there I'm going to teach you about how your emotions are programmed from your childhood that and, and shows up in your adulthood um, and those things that you learned in your family uh, origins or in your family environment or things that happened to you during your younger years, how they show up in your adulthood. Then I'm going to talk, give you the um, reasons why we choose the people that we love. And we're going to talk about the going home syndrome. We're going to talk about completing unfinished emotional business from childhood. We're going to talk about the fear of intimacy. And then we'll talk about low self-esteem. Then we're going to talk about steps to releasing emotional clutter. The reason why we make bad choices in relationships as singles and anyone really is because we have some emotional clutter that gets in the way that that stops us from being able to choose freely and correctly. And then we're talking about the power of choice and and then I'll open up the uh, chat room and the phone lines for you to uh, be able to make your comments and uh, if you have questions. And so I'll give you some further instructions when we get there. But that's the agenda for tonight. And so if you would just uh, stay with us on tonight, you're going to learn a lot. It's going to be a great journey. And so we're going to start off by talking about um, emotional programming. And basically I want to say in the beginning is this, that as adults, single adults particularly, we think that we know what we want in a in a partner or in a mate. Uh, we don't. We know for sure that we don't want anything unhealthy, a relationship that's unhealthy. We don't want any negative qualities in that person. And so sometimes we can become extremely frustrated and disappointed when we end up in a relationship 
um, with someone different from the idea person or partner that we had um, in mind. And what happens is in our emotions, if we're not emotionally healthy, those negative emotions begin to send out uh, signals or signs of uh, that will attract certain people, but it's not the person that we want. It's not the ideal person. It usually attracts the person that caters to our neediness, our incompleteness, or our fears, whatever fears that we have, uh, whatever emotional programming that we received um, in the in our past from our childhood. When we send that out into the atmosphere, that's the type of person that we draw. So we send out what we call um, emotional want ads, you know, based on how we feel about ourselves and based on how we feel about relationships and based on how we feel about our life experiences in the past would determine what type of ad or emotional um, notice that we send out, and that would determine what type of person that we draw back. I'm going to give you an example. A few years ago when I taught this class for the first time, I ran across um, some emotional one ads that uh, people send out when um, they keep repeating the the same um, bad relationship cycle. So I'm going to give you two examples, two examples from the uh, female perspective, and then I'll give you two examples from the male perspective. And I want you to see if you can find yourself in either one of these ads or if there's a time where you had this type of experience, relationship experience with someone um, in one of these uh, particular ads. And I want you to keep in mind that, you know, um, we get what we ask for. You know, relationships are not by coincidence. They're not because of bad luck. Uh, it's not by accident. It's because we get what we ask for. And our asking comes through the emotional clutter. It comes through the emotional baggage we have. It comes through the emotional programming that we have in our lives. And until we clear all of that debris out, we will continue to draw and connect to the same type of people if we don't find a way to clear up that emotional clutter that's in our lives. So here's one of the ads that a female might send out. And see if you find yourself in this. Wanted, angry, unemployed, control freak for long, demeaning relationship, must be moody, manipulative, and an expert at making me tiptoe around in fear because that's what I like. The more you keep me guessing, the happier I'll be. Men with ambition or a clear, clean credit record need not apply. If you're looking for someone to someone to love you, no matter how unavailable and obnoxious you become, then I'm the girl for you. Chronic lateness and lying are real pluses. Don't worry if you can't get it up. I'll pretend you are normal and won't ever complain. Call whenever you want. After all, you're the boss. Have you ever found yourself, if females that are listening, in a relationship similar to that, where the guy was in control, he was no good, he was unavailable, he was demeaning, he had no respect for you, and it took you a minute to realize that this is not a healthy relationship for me. But by the time you got to that place, usually there's some emotional damage and some psychological possibly damage that has occurred. Or maybe you are a female and you find yourself with this type of emotional ad. Wanted. Hey there, do you like hurting the one you love? Are you interested in a long, drawn-out, painful relationship fraught with multiple breakups and reconciliations. I'm looking for someone to make me miserable. I'm not picky. Addiction's welcome. Call any day, any time, day or night. My good night's sleep is nothing compared to the pure pleasure of hearing from you. 
your thoughtless impulse to call after an evening of drinking and, and messing around are viewed as the ultimate in attentiveness and a compliment to my desirability as a woman. Hurry, there are many men who, many men even more troubled than yourself applying at this very moment. That's a wrong place to be when you when your emotions only can draw that type of man into your life. It's time to clean that emotional clutter out of your life. But maybe you are a man on the on, in the chat room or, or listening by phone on tonight. And if so, you may find yourself with this type of relationship constantly circling around your life. Maybe your emotional wanted uh, ad sounds something like this, wanted. Do you hate yourself? Do you hate the world? Do you like to blame everyone else for what's gone wrong in your life? I'm looking for an immature, sexually damaged woman who will whine and complain 24 hours a day. Eating disorders, drug addiction, and other obsessions are definite pluses. You must be good at jumping out of moving cars, hanging up on me on the phone, and throwing temper tantrums in expensive restaurants. Hate being touched? Then you are the perfect for me. If you call your parents less than once a day, don't bother applying because I'm not looking for a grown-up. Call me in the middle of the night, or better yet, at work during an important meeting. Don't worry about interrupting. Nothing is as important as you and your latest crisis. If you are a man, I'm sure if you have gone through the bad relationship cycle, you can find yourself uh, in that. Here's another one for men. Uh, maybe your emotional one ad sounds like this. Wanted. I know you're out there. You're gorgeous, superficial, obsessed with money, cars, and being seen by the right people. Me, good, not good enough for you. Together we'll be perfect. You'll constantly put me down, and I'll love it. I need a woman who will make me feel inadequate. Humiliation in public is a big plus, especially around your friends. If you spend hours getting dressed and putting on makeup and haven't read a book in years, you are just what I'm looking for. Please call. I need you to make me feel worthless. That's a bad or a sad place to be when you find yourself in uh, relationships that you constantly, where your um, emotional one ad, one ad sounds like that. Uh, If you have been in that place, then it's time to actually break that cycle, and we have to get to the place where you understand what emotional programming is and what your emotional programming is so that you can uh, do away with that and make some better choices. So emotional programming is... Uh, Emotional programming is simply just a set of decisions and beliefs you've made about yourself, others, and the world. And in general, you you develop these when you're growing up. And so when you're growing up, what happens is whatever goes on in your family life, that determines how you view love. It determines how you understand relationships. Um, uh, Basically, they're, they're decisions that you've made basically about yourself. You've had the life experience, but when you made the decision about love and when you made the decision about relationship, you made them about yourself. So if you were in a situation where there was in your family unit that it was a lot of arguing, a lot of fussing all the time, you may, when you were younger, if you can remember that, you may uh, remember yourself saying something like, when I grow up, I'm not going to have all these arguments. When I grow up, I'm going to marry somebody who's not going to fuss all the time. When I grow up, I'm going to marry somebody who's nice. Um when I grow up, my family is going to have a, a, a good life. I'm going to make sure that we're living better than this. When I grow up, I'm going to love my children. I'm not going to tell my children that they're nothing. They're worthless. When I everything, Every decision that you made from your emotional programming basically had to, do, uh, had to do with you. You made them about yourself. 
You know, uh, I'm going to pick somebody who's going to treat me nice. I'm going to pick someone who's going to love me. Uh, You know, we say those things when we're young. Unfortunately, as we grow and become older, we, we... some people don't go through the extra step that's needed to make sure that the clutter is cleaned out and that your emotions are strengthened so that you really can actually experience that. What happens is, even though you said it when you were younger, when you grow up, what happens is you begin to draw relationships towards you to either try to replay uh, some of that emotional clutter, or you try to find relationships where you can prove that you can do better than what you saw at the house or do better than what you saw in your childhood. So you're not really making good choices. You're making choices trying to uh, either prove or disprove your emotional programming. And so we get stuck sometimes in, the, um, in our life experiences and in our decision-making, and so we, we get stuck with repeating the same um emotional cycles over, uh, relationship cycles over and over again. So what happens is you have a life experience. From that life experience, you make a decision or you make decisions. From those decisions, you receive your emotional programming. And then from your emotional programming is what causes you to make your love choices. And if in that process your decisions are unhealthy or made from unhealthy places in life, then your choices, your love choices will be unhealthy uh, in life. And, and, and that's unfortunate, but that's how that works because when we're growing up, our home environment um, is a place where we learn about love. It's a place where we learn about security and stability. If the family is functioning properly, we'll get that. If the family is dysfunctional, we won't get it. You know, um, For example, here are some things that you may have experienced in your family life. Uh, and when you were growing up and you may have said, well, I'm not going to do that, or it may have affected you, and you don't realize as an adult how it plays a role in your love choices. Maybe your parents were divorced. You know, maybe your mom and dad fought a lot. You know, maybe you were overweight and you were being teased um, in, in in your younger years. Um, maybe your family had a lot of kids and there wasn't enough money to go around for you to always, you know, for everyone to get Christmas toys every year or for every birthday to be celebrated. And just somehow you're the one that got left out or you got the short end of it. Or uh, maybe your mom was very angry or very moody. Maybe, you know, she was a rageaholic or your dad was very mean and very strict. You know, maybe one of your parents died when you were at an early age or maybe you were unfortunately sexually molested by one of your parents. And um, or maybe you saw uh, your father beat your mother, domestic violence, a lot of that Uh, Maybe you grew up with one of your parents being addicted to alcohol or some type of illegal drugs or maybe even uh, prescription-type drugs. Maybe you grew up with that. And in most cases, if you've experienced any of those types of scenarios, I'll I'll give you a few examples. Say, for example, you grew up where your dad made promises to you. Um, He was going to show up at all of your events, your school events, your games, uh, your dance recitals and different things like that. But unfortunately, dad didn't make it for whatever reason. But the decision that you make as a young kid, as you grow up, is people I love will disappoint me or men can't be trusted. And so when you make your love choices, you pick men who put you on a pedestal and then they disappoint you. And because they disappoint you or when they disappoint you, you can always go back to the decision that you made, and that decision was men cannot be trusted. So the cycle repeats itself. Excuse me. Or maybe, for example, you saw... Um, your dad constantly beating your mom 
And so when your dad was beating your mom, maybe you ran and you, you hid or whatever. But when you got older or as you were growing up, you said, well, I'm not going to marry anybody who's abusive. But unfortunately, you that's the kind of person that you drew because this guy came along. He was charming. He was sweet talking. And then before you know it, you were in a situation where it was violent. So maybe those are the things. If you want you to take a moment and just think about some of the things that you've experienced in your life and see if you can find where you've made some bad choices in your life um, from your experiences. And in those bad choices, sometimes when we make our love choices, we know where they're coming from. We just don't know how to get out of the bad choices that we've made. So let's look at some of the reasons why um, we choose the people that we love. The first one we want to look at is the going home syndrome. A lot of times people gravitate toward the, what's familiar to them. And so you, what you're trying to do, when I mean, what I mean by going home syndrome is you have relationships trying to go back home to fix whatever you thought was wrong or trying to re, um, relive your childhood to try to make it right. And unfortunately, that doesn't, that doesn't work when we do that. And it keeps us in a cycle where we're never satisfied because your childhood is over. It's over. You can't go back and um, repeat that. So we gravitate toward the familiar. And you hear people say it all the time in psychology, in counseling, in ministry, that whatever you did growing up, whatever type of family uh, origin you experienced, um, it's going to affect you in your adulthood. And that is true. If you haven't done anything to consciously uh, become healed in your emotions and your thinking, whatever happened in your childhood is going to show up in your in your adult life. Uh, your mind will begin to equate uh, whatever associations you had about home with what love is uh, supposed to feel like. So if if dad was fussing all the time, then you're going to quit, uh, equate love with um, fussing all the time or mean-spirited people. That's what's going to happen. So if home was disappointing, then you're going to think that love should be disappointing. You know, you uh, if you know anything or had any experience with, with sisters who've been in domestic violence relationships, what they say is, he loves me. And if you keep talking to him, you find out there was some type of physical abuse in the family in the family unit, whether it was the father beating the mother, and the dad was saying, "Well, I, w- I would only, I wouldn't hurt you. I love your mom. That's why I do it. I want her to get better. You know, I, I love your mom. I don't know why she makes me hit her like that." And then because you're growing up and you don't know any better, you equate uh, abuse with love, and you think, "Well, if he's not hitting me, he doesn't love me." And that's not true, but that's the emotional programming. So when you have relationships, you gravitate back to the going home syndrome. You try to go back to what you're familiar with, and what you're familiar with is what was going on in the home. And so you go back, uh, you gravitate back uh, to that experience. The danger in that is you'll find yourself repeating the same cycles that you um went through in in the home and in your childhood, and that's not good. If you have a desire, if you find yourself in that place and you have a desire to um, uh, get past that, I'm going to give you a little exercise that you can uh, uh, do that will help you get beyond that. I want you sometime this week or whenever you can, I want you to actually take a sheet of paper and I want you to list all of the negative experiences that you had um, in your home, and then I want you to list the feelings that 
you experience in that uh, in that. So, for example, if a home was disappointing, I want you to write disappointing. If there was denial, I want you to write denial. If there was betrayal, I want you to write betrayal. If there was dishonesty, I want you to write that word down. And then I want you to take a, on another column. I want you to write what you would have liked for it to have been like. And so I want you to think back and I want you to say, well, if I know it was this way, that's the first column. But the second column is here's what I would have liked to have seen happen in my in my family life. And I want you to identify with words that will help you describe um, that. So if it was disappointing or uh, dishonesty was there, you would put next there, you'll put trust in there. Okay, if it was uh, uh, lack of communication, you would put communicate better about communicate uh, about feelings better whatever the opposite is or whatever the positive side of that would be then I want you that's what I want you to put there because you want to list that and that's going to help you become um, emotionally reprogrammed so that you can uh, clear out the clutter in your emotions and start making better choices um, in the relationships that you have Okay, so that the first one is the going home syndrome and that's when you go back to what you're used to what you're familiar to familiar with, and uh, you find yourself repeating those cycles. And the goal is to break that syndrome and to create new experiences so that your cycles will change. And you will start having healthy cycles um, in the areas of your, in different areas of your life, but especially in the areas of relationships. Okay. The second one is, well, before I go to the second one, let's talk a little bit more about um, your family experience because a lot of people, um, come from some unhealthy situations and they're they're bothered by that and they really don't know what to do. Uh, There are two terms that we hear a lot when people talk about families. Family units talk about functional families and they talk about dysfunctional families. A functional family is a family that is healthy. Usually in functional families, the climate in the home is, is one that is positive. Each family member is valued and accepted. People are cared they care for one another in the family. The communication is healthy. It's usually open and direct. The family enjoys being together. In dysfunctional families, um, and I know that word is, is used a lot and sometimes it's abused a lot of times because people don't really understand the the original meaning of dysfunction. Usually in dysfunctional family, there's a lack of acceptance, there's a lack of openness, there's a lack of affirmation, communication, there's a lack of love and togetherness um, that the healthy family has. So it lacks what the healthy family has. Uh, usually in um, dysfunctional families, the families are off course, what they consider to be off course. And dysfunctional means that people usually are functioning out of place. It's not functioning properly. People are, the family is all is scattered. It's all over the place. Things go wrong in the family. Um, things are not usually corrected. Uh, usually what happens is if if you don't do something the way a particular person, whether it's a mother or a father, uh, wants you to do it in that family, then love is withheld from you. you uh, they withhold the love until you do what they want you to do. If you really love me, you'll do this. Or if you don't do it, I'm not going to do that. Uh, there's a feeling of empty and uh, incompleteness that when you grow up from a dysfunctional family, you feel empty because that very unit that should have been supplying you and filling you with the things that you need has now stripped you from it. All right, and so then there's an incompleteness that goes on. And so if you 
experience a dysfunctional uh, family situation, it'll be important that you find a way, whether you need to seek um, some help, maybe a counselor or a minister or someone who is strong, a strong friend that can help you or some type of self-help program that can help you to identify the areas that have been tainted and wounded by growing up in a dysfunctional family and what steps do you need to take to actually begin healing and bring healing to that process so that you will no longer be functioning from a dysfunctional uh, foundation but you're functioning from a healthy foundation. And so the going home syndrome, how you respond to relationships when you find yourself going back home, the type of family life you grow up in will determine what you go back to. So if you go back to, if your mind or your emotions go back to a healthy family unit, you probably can engage in healthy relationships. If your mind is going back to dysfunctional families, you're going to find yourself having some unhealthy type relationships, and that cycle is going to repeat until you push forth and break the barrier of that dysfunction, of that emotional clutter. The second reason why we choose the people that we love is we have unfinished business or unfinished emotional business uh, from our childhood. And I know it sounds pretty much like the same thing as um, the family unit, but it's a little different uh, than that. If, for example, um, if you grew up and you didn't get um, love and attention uh, the way that you wanted it from your parent, then what you might do is you might attract a a partner who is like your parent but doesn't give you the love that you want and makes you work hard and try it makes you work hard at uh, trying to get the love from that person. So what happens with this is, you know, I wanted my mom to love me. I wanted my dad to love me. So what you do is you go and you pick someone or you choose a partner that resembles the parent. And what you do is you enter into a relationship with the hopes that you can get this person to do what you couldn't get your parents to do. And in most cases, it doesn't work because you find, again, you find yourself in a bad situation, and it usually ends up basically the same way the family unit uh, turned out. And so um, uh, you find, so that's what I mean by you uh, go back to try to finish some um, unfinished childhood um, business that you have. So if you didn't feel love, you try to either connect with somebody, you um, you try to get them to do what the person in your past would not do. And so the cycle becomes tedious, it becomes hard because the same struggle you had in the past is the same struggle you're going to have with the present relationship. Um, if you um, are angry at um, somebody in your family, your parents or some other member in the, uh, of your family, what you'll end up doing is you will choose a relationship, you will seek out somebody who you actually can target and who you can actually lash out at, who you can actually take things out on. And so you find someone that you can actually be angry towards so that you can, and it makes you feel like that you're getting back at the person that you're really angry with. And so that's what I mean by you um, have some childhood uh, unfinished um um, business from your childhood. So that's what, another reason why we choose the people that we choose is because we have some unfinished business. Another reason is because of fear of intimacy. And uh, and what I mean by that is you have a fear of letting someone get too close to you um, in that. And so uh, uh, you, if you have a fear of intimacy, you will say yes to uh, some questions like if I were to ask you, do you attract people who can't make you make a commitment? And if you say, well, yes, well, then you have to look and say, well, let me take a look at myself and see why am I attracting that person? Do I have a fear of intimacy? Do I let people only come so far or come so close? And then I actually uh, 
block them from going any further? You know, do you feel frightened or smothered when someone expresses strong feelings of love towards you? You know, somebody is beginning to fall in love with you or they're showing some affection, and then all of a sudden they say, you you know, you got to give me some breathing room. I need some me time. I need some space. I just I feel like you're smothering me. You call me too much. You you know, you email me too much. You come by too much. You want to do too much. But really what you might be saying or what you might be doing is you might be blocking them because you have that fear of intimacy? Or do you find yourself pushing people away even when they're giving you what you want? You know, the person is nice. The person is healthy. The person loves you. And so you find yourself pushing that person away because you're getting what you want, but you push them away because it's too challenging for you um, to actually engage in something that is healthy. And so you push that person away on purpose because there is a fear of intimacy uh, there, and you don't want the person to get um, too close uh, to you. So basically what's ha- what happens if you're experiencing is that it's not really that you um, have a fear of intimacy. It's it's not intimacy that you fear. It's the consequences of intimacy that you fear. If I let you get too close, then, you know, I might just do what I'm afraid to do and I might love you back. Okay, and so I'm afraid of the uh, the in- the consequences of it. That was a good consequence, but maybe you're afraid of the intim- the consequence of intimacy because in the past you got close to somebody and it only resulted in pain. The person, you know, dropped you in the uh, into the relationship, or uh, you got close to someone and um, they uh, said hurting things, or or they didn't. Um, uh, respond to you in the way that you uh, wanted them to respond. So now you equate intimacy with something negative. And so before it gets to the negative place, I shut it. You will shut it down. You know, you will stop it. You will cut it off. Um, and so a, a lot of times, we people who go through that, um, it's usually because there's not some emotional. They haven't experienced emotional healing, and f- I still haven't figured out quite just yet. Why people will not go to get the help that they need. Maybe it's because they feel embarrassed. Maybe there's uh, some shame and guilt that comes with um, acknowledging that they got caught up in certain uh, situations um, of some sort. Or it could, again, from the first, from some uh, uh, emotional programming from childhood. But if you have a desire to really have experience, uh, a, a great relationship with someone and to experience that relationship in in true wholeness, then you may need to seek some help from someone who can walk you through your healing journey so that you can identify these areas that are wounded, that are scarred, that are hurting, that are unfulfilled, that are unmet, and then I'll help you to discover how you can actually correct all of these things so that there will not be any fear of intimacy. Any 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 a single adult that desires a healthy relationship, that desires to be married, in the back recesses of your mind, you have to honestly say that I want to be in a relationship with someone who's going to honestly love me, appreciate me, cherish me, whether you're male or female. You want somebody that when you make that connection, it is a connection for a lifetime, and it's a connection that is mutual, and it brings wholeness to your life um, and joy and fulfillment to your life. Um, and and the only way that you can experience that is you honestly have to take a self-examination. And if it means going through a healing process, go through the healing process. And it may be painful, 
for you to take that journey. But on the other side of that pain, it's going to be some joy. You may even cry through that journey. But the word of God says that those that sow in tears will reap, will reap a harvest of joy. And so you have to know that on the other side of my healing process, there's going to be some joy. It's going to be a better relationship. It's going to be happiness. It's going to be peace. It's going to be love, hope, and joy. So it's real important that you actually take that healing journey so that you can experience exactly what it is you desire to experience in your life. Okay, so the next one is low self-esteem. A lot of people have, or some people, I shouldn't say a whole lot, but some people have what is called low self-esteem. So um, basically what that is is that you don't have enough value on yourself. And so you... um, diminish uh, the value that God has placed on you by what you think about yourself. And so even though God says that you're the apple of his eye, that God says he's so concerned about you, he knows the number of hairs on your head, that you're precious to him, his thoughts towards you are precious. He wants you to have a hope and a future. Even though God says all of those things, you still find a way, if you're carrying low self-esteem, you still find a way to diminish that, and you find yourself saying, Saying things like "I don't deserve," "I don't," "I shouldn't," you know, I, uh, "That's not for me," those kind of things, and so you, um, you, you, you get what you think you deserve. And what I mean by that is, you draw the relationship that you think you deserve. If you have low self-esteem, you're not going to draw draw towards your life. And if you are a man, a woman who's going to help you, you're not going to draw a woman that's going to appreciate you. You're going to draw the woman that's going to tell you that you're nothing, that you're that you're that you're less than a man, and you're this and you're that, and you know you make me sick and all those kinds of things. If you're a woman, you're not going to draw a man to your life that's going to speak encouragement to you, that's going to speak positive things to your life. You're going to draw somebody who's going to fulfill the very thoughts that you're having about your own life at this particular time. So. Uh, if you go back, if you were told uh, that you are not lovable as a child, then you may have difficulty, uh, have a difficult time attracting love because you don't think you deserve it. Until you get to the place that you deserve the very best that God has for you, then the only thing that you're going to draw into your life are uh, the the relationships that you think that um, you deserve. And if you haven't forgiven yourself, then you're really not going to experience the relationships that God desires for you to have. And so you you really have to get to that place. You have to get to the place where you can actually say, no matter what has happened to me in the past, no matter what I've done, God says that I deserve the best for him, that he has for me. And so, again, you take yourself through, you do what you have to do to bring the healing, to clear the emotional clutter so that you can be positioned correctly to receive what God has for you. It is unfair, like I said um, last night, it's unfair for you to, uh, pray and desire for God to send into your life someone who can love you, and then it's hard for you to it's hard for the person to love you. You know, God send somebody who's going to love me, and then you turn around and you're hard to love. That's unfair. It has to be a mutual exchange in the relationship. And so, if you have low self esteem, then um, you need to do whatever you need to do to build that self-esteem, and that's going to take a lot of work because you didn't get it overnight. You didn't think you didn't have these thoughts about yourself overnight. It didn't happen overnight. So your journey 
uh, of healing. Uh, it, it possibly could be immediate. You know, Jesus can touch your life and you can get immediate deliverance. Or you may need more than one touch as a blind man. You may need more than one touch. God, you touched me the first time. Things are not quite as clear. You know, I see people that look like trees walking around. So he had to touch them again. So you may be someone who needs another touch so that it can become clear, so that your journey um, that you take for healing your emotions uh will be one that's actually going to bring clear vision to your sight. You can see yourself clearly. You can believe in your heart and in your spirit that you deserve the very best, that you are a precious gem, that you, like I said on last night, you are a reward to somebody. If you don't believe that you are a reward, if you don't believe you have something valuable to bring to the table, then the only thing at the table that you're going to draw or would will be relationships that will confirm to you that you don't have, that you're of no value. And that is not God's plan for your life. He he wants you to be emotionally healthy and whole so that when you connect with someone in a relationship, there's a mutual exchange of of healthiness and wholeness. So how do you do that? I'm going to give you some simple steps on how you can actually clear the emotional clutter from your life so you can make better choices in the relationships. It doesn't matter whether you uh, in the past have been choosing from the going home syndrome, fear of intimacy, if you have some unfinished uh, business, if you have some unfinished business that um, if you have some unfinished business, then um, I'm going to give you some steps on how to clear that emotional clutter from your life. The first step you want to do is you want to identify what your emotional clutter is. Once you identify, the way you can do that is you can start. You can start by making a list. You can make a list of what what are, what are your fears, what are your anxieties, what are your complaints, uh, your anger, what are, what are your you know what what are the things that spring to mind? You know what are some gripes that you have about relationships? What are some disappointments that you have? What are some uh, fears that you have about relationships? You want to make a list of those things, and then you want to. Uh, give yourself as much time as possible to make that list. Don't rush through it. You may have to. It may take a week or so for you to develop that list. It may you may have to go through a season where you have to really think about it. But the most important thing to remember here is that the purpose of it is to identify uh, the feelings, but not to immerse yourself in those feelings. Don't become enmeshed in them again. You just want to identify what they are because those are the things that you're going to have to deal with to change, to bring change. So it's important to be honest. In this first step that, you know, uh, even if you feel a little uncomfortable about it, um, here's where you're making this list. Um, uh, you're making the list, but you don't want to feel guilty about making that list or the things that are, that you put on that list. You want to make that list to identify where you need healing, where you need to grow from, what needs to change. So the first step is to identify your emotional clutter. Make the list of your gripes, your fears, your anxieties, your complaints. Uh, your anger, anything that comes to mind that has hindered you from having a good relationship. The second step is you want to write down how you feel, how you would like to feel in the place of those things that you're listing. So here is where you start getting becoming unstuck. When you make the first list, you're identifying those areas that have hindered you. But now you're gonna next to them. Next to what you've listed, you're going to write a list of uh, what you would like to see happen. How did what you have? How would you uh, like to feel about this particular thing? So, if you're angry, how would you like to feel? Well, I don't want to feel angry anymore. I want to feel joy. I want to feel happiness. I want to feel peace. You know, if you're um, 
uncertain. I want to feel some certainty. I want some stability, some security, whatever the case may be. So right next to it, you want to write down how you would like to feel about that. And that's where you begin to uh, start your journey of becoming unstuck in those in those particular areas of your life because it's those feelings that um, that are, were bottled up on the inside that kept you stuck in that place. And so you want to identify this. You want to become unstuck. It's it's, it's very very important to um, uh, for you to be very honest in this particular thing. What do you really want? What is it that I want to ha- see happen in rela- in a relationship? What is it that I want to see happen in my life before I go into a serious relationship? Identify those things. It doesn't matter what it seems like. You know, it might even you might think, oh, that's just fantasy. You know, write it down anyway. You could always go back and clean the list up. But you need to be able to be to be able to verbalize and write down those things that you desire, what you want to see happen. You know, um so remember, what is it that I want? What is it that you want? These are the steps. These are the things that's going to move you into the steps that you're going to take for the healing journey. Then the third thing you want to do is what could I? What could you do right now? And so you want to go back to your list. What do you want? And then you're going to take each item in turn and ask yourself this question. What can I do right now in order to fully release the negative feelings from your life and embrace the positive intention that you want to have? You have to look at it and say, what what can I do next to make this happen in my life? Uh, You don't have to do everything. You don't have to do all of your lists at one time, but there's something on your list that's going to surface that you can actually do right now. So, for example, do I need to forgive myself? Do I need to forgive someone else? Do I uh, need to uh, write a letter about how I'm feeling to myself? Do I need to seek advice from someone? Do I need to get the help, get some help that you know in a particular area? Do I need to seek a professional? What is it that I need to do right now? What is it I can do right now to begin this journey, to clear this emotional clutter and get my emotions to a healthy place of being, a healthy state of being? Then step number four is time for action. You know, so uh, uh, what items do I want to do first? What's the easiest? What's the most important? So when you identify the things that you can do, then go back and reprioritize them. You can re- you can prioritize them to uh, what you want to do first, or you can prioritize them to what's the easiest thing to do, or you can prioritize them by what's the most important or the most powerful thing to do. And then actually start taking the steps that you need to actually start uh, feeling better about yourself and developing the skills that you need to make healthy choices and and good decisions in life. That comes from practice. You don't just know how to do that. You have to position yourself where you uh, are in uh, situations and scenarios where or, or somebody's teaching you how to make good decisions, how to make good choices. And you have to uh, learn that from a, a, a mind that is free to learn and free from any debris of emotional clutter. Then the fifth step is uh, is releasing your emotion. You have to really go inside and say, once you identify, I have to release those release those emotions, the emotions that were keeping me in bondage. I have to release them. A lot of times, people want to hold on to them because you know they feel like they're owed something, or you know they want to get somebody back, or they feel like you know um, it's something that they need to do. Really, what you need to do is to release it so that you can go on with your life. And in order to do that, you have to become an observer. You have to do a self-examination. You have to observe your own feelings uh, to come to an under a greater understanding of yourself. Self-awareness is very important um, in this process of 
uh, releasing your emotional clutter. You have to get to the place where you take uh, a look at who you are, evaluate yourself, be honest about it, and then do something about what you find. The Word of God said, let a man examine himself. You have to be able to examine yourself and say, okay, I'm not strong in this area. I need to do better in this area. You know, I'm angry right here about this particular situation that happened three years ago, four years ago, two days ago. I'm angry about it. I'm not handling this anger correctly. You know, I'm hurt about, I'm hurt, um, I'm still hurting from a relationship that ended four years ago. I need to do something about this. So you have to become an observer of your own, of your own life. And you have to give us, do a self exam, uh, an honest self examination of what's going on on the inside of you. And then make a conscious decision to take some steps to Rid yourself of that and replace it with positive uh, actions and positive thoughts and positive feelings on the inside uh, of yourself. You, you um, in order to do that, you have to uh, learn some things. So you have to go a little bit further and you have to make a decision that, you know, in order for me to honestly know how to replace the negative with positive, I'm going to have to make a, take the next step in learning how to do that. So you may have to do some reading. You may have to do uh, watch um, uh, some programs or you may have to talk to someone who's in that profession that can help you. But you have to go the extra step um, in order to do that. Once you clear the clutter out, then... Um, in clearing the clutter out, the clutter out, you position yourself to actually to have the power to actually uh, choose. So we all have given the power of choice, but we don't all use it correctly. And so the power of choice is the ability uh, is the ability to select one thing rather than another thing. And so you can only make good choices when you're free to choose. When that power that you've been given is free to choose. So if if you choose incorrectly, then the things that happen in your life will not be the best for you. So in order to free to, to to be free to choose, several things have to happen. The first thing that has to happen is your mind has to be clear. And we're told in uh in the scriptures in First Chronicles chapter eight chapter twenty eight verse nine that we are to serve God with a perfect heart and a willing mind. And so we're also told that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is generosity of grace for you. So you no longer have to be subject to uh, the bondage of your emotions, of wounded areas in your emotions. You can be free. And so to be free means to be open wide, to be loose, to be released, unshackled. It means to be liberated. So simply your mind um, when your mind is free to choose, that means that it's not shackled by uh, any of those negative thoughts. It's not in a locked position. It's not. It's not uh, full of angry thoughts. It is free for um, new thoughts to come in to help you or to position you to expand your growth and to expand how you experience life and how you experience uh, relationships. And so, if you if you are locked in by those wounded emotions and your mind becomes shackled. Uh, then you're not free to choose. And so when you're not free to choose, you don't make godly choices. Uh, you would, In order to be free to choose, you have to allow the word of God to renew your mind and bring transformation to your life. Uh, if you don't do that, then you're not free to choose. And in order to be free to choose or to position yourself to be free to choose, you have to trust God. You have to trust that 
trust when God says that he can send his word to heal you of all of your destructions. You have to trust the word when he says that he knows all about you, even the most intricate, delicate parts of your being. You have to trust God's word that he can bring change, that he can heal those areas that are hurting. He can change your mind. He can uh um, turn your life around, send you in the right direction, have you, and then teach you how to make good choices in your life. And so you have to trust God. That is the most important thing is trusting God with um, this area of life. And so um, that's the agenda for tonight. So what I want to do is I want to open up the phone line. If you're listening by phone and you have a comment or a question, if this is an area that you need some help in, um, if you're on the telephone, all you have to do is press the number one, and I'll be able to see next to your number that you have a comment or a question, and I'll call out the last four digits of your number, and I'll bring you on and let you make your comment or ask your question. If you're in the chat room, you can just actually type in your comment or your question um, in the chat room, and I'll see it, and then I will comment or give you an answer to your question like that. So, again, if you're in the chat room, just type in and uh, post it. I'll see it in the chat room if you're calling by phone Press the number one at any time, and then I can bring you on and I can hear your comment or your question. And so as you're thinking about that, I'm going to um, recap the show for you on tonight. So uh, in case you're taking notes, uh, you won't miss anything. Uh, And I said at the beginning of the show that um, we choose the people that we choose uh, to love because of the way we have been emotionally programmed. Your emotional programming comes from your childhood. It comes from your family origin. How what what type of situation were you brought up in? And basically, in that situation, when you become an adult, you make your choices based on that. So, if you're coming from a healthy family situation, you'll make healthy choices. Um, and this is a normal situation. If you're coming from a dysfunctional family, you'll make some unhealthy choices in your life. Things can you can uh, be turned around from these types of things, but you have to. If the cycle is being is repeating repeated over and over in your life and it's unhealthy, then you have to identify where this is stemming from so that you can stop it and change it so that you can make healthy choices. And so uh, the emotional. Uh, programming that you have is what uh, sends out the signals for the type of relationships that you draw towards you. So again, if you if it's unhealthy, uh, your emotional programming is unhealthy, then you're going to draw unhealthy relationships towards your life. If you have a, a, a relatively strong emotional um, programming, then you'll draw healthy relationships or healthy or healthy people towards your life. And then there are some cases where you can be emotionally strong and you can still draw the wrong person. But in your emotional strength you will identify that that person is wrong and you will have the uh the, the fortitude to uh the courage to end that relationship when you realize that you're connected to somebody who is not um, emotionally healthy for you. And so that's what emotional programming, when I talked about emotional programming, then I talked about the reasons why we actually uh, choose the people that we do. The first one was the going home syndrome. And I talked about you, you, you pick a relationship trying to go back to your family environment because there was something unfinished or something that you experienced and you're either trying to prove something uh, from that experience from your family experience or you're trying to to uh settle something in your family experience. So you'll pick someone who and you would draw them towards you if um uh you uh experience uh, a lot of fussing and fighting then you then you would try to find somebody who you won't do that with but unfortunately you'll end up with a situation where you will repeat exactly what went on went on 
um, in the family unit. Then I also talked about uh, the types of families, healthy family, dysfunctional family. Healthy families have good communication. Everybody is accepted and loved. Dysfunctional family is just the opposite. It's a lot of uh, inconsistencies. The family is off course. Usually love is withheld if you don't do what I tell you. There's a lot of secrecy in dysfunctional families. And and what I didn't mention, and I'll mention now, a lot of times in dysfunctional families, there's also a lot, could be some um, different types of abuse, of any, whether it's physical abuse, whether it's um, drug addiction, alcohol abuse. Usually in those dysfunctional families, you'll find some type of abuse going on in a dysfunctional family. Uh, and dysfunctional families keep you from making uh, unhe- keep you from making healthy choices. You continue to make unhealthy choices um, in that. Okay, I talked about the fear of intimacy, and really it's not the intimacy that you're afraid of. It's the consequences of the intimacy. And so if you equate intimacy with something negative, then the fear is that if you get the per- if you get too close with somebody, that something negative is going to happen. And so really it's the consequences of intimacy that you have a fear of and not the fear of intimacy itself. Then low self-esteem is you get what you think you deserve. If you if you don't have healthy um thoughts about your life, you will not draw healthy relationships towards your life. You will only get what you think you deserve. And usually people who have low self-esteem don't think they deserve um, um, a lot. And so they end up, unfortunately, drawing towards them some unhealthy relationships. Then the five steps for emotional releasing emotional clutter. Uh, number one, identify your emotional clutter. Be sure to be honest with yourself. Write it down. Number two, um, write next to it how you would like to feel. Um, in the place of that negative uh, feeling. And then number three, what can you do now? What is it that I can do now to bring change to my life so I can begin this healing journey? Then uh, number four, time for action. What steps can I take? And how am I going to take them? Am I going to do them by uh, importance? Am I, you know, am I going to do it by the one that's most important? Am I going to do it by the easiest thing to do? You know, how am I going to actually take these steps? And then Releasing, releasing number five, releasing the uh, unconscious emotions. That is, you have to find a way to release those negative emotions from your life. Uh, and then uh, the last thing I told you was to be honest. Make sure you're honest with yourself. Make sure you're truthful about what you're going through so that the healing process can actually be the journey that you need to take and the journey that is the best one for you so that you can make right choices. You do have the power to choose, but if the if your thought life is not healthy, you will not make good choices. If you if your mind is cluttered with a lot of negativity, with a lot of unhealthy thoughts, a lot of bad uh past memories that are hurtful and, and painful. If your if your mind is cluttered with all of that, you will not make good decisions and you will not make good choices in relationships. And you will be wondering why over and over again do you keep repeating the same relationship cycle or if you're in a particular relationship, you'll keep wondering why the same things keep happening over and over again and this relationship isn't growing, it is not moving forward, it's not it's not doing me any good. And even though you can say those things, you don't have the power 
to get out of it because you're drawn to that relationship by your emotional strength. And the Word of God teaches us that we are to be strong or strengthened in our inner man. And when your emotions are wounded and when your emotions are tired, when your emotions are weak, you are not strong in your inner man because we flow in relationships out of our emotions. Our emotional programming is what we flow into relationships with. Relationships are usually emotional. It's not a whole lot of head stuff in any relationships. It's emotional. And when we are uh, unhealthy and inconsistent in a, and unstable in our emotions, we do not have healthy relationships and we do not make good choices in our emotions. And so that's the recap of tonight's program again uh, We'll take one more final call. If, you have, if you're in the chat room and you have a comment, please type your comment or post your question, and um, I'll answer it. If you're listening by phone, um, please press the number one, and uh, I'll bring you on, and you can make your comment or you can um, uh, ask a question. And so last call for comments and questions. If no comments, no questions, we're going to close out. And... Um, uh, in prayer, and then on tomorrow night we'll deal. We're dealing with um, part three or session three of the um, of the series. And session three is going to um, actually be on something that everybody uh, probably is interested in, and that is going to be falling in love for the wrong reasons. What are the reasons why we actually fall in love? And so before we go, I'm going to go to caller number with the last four digits of uh, 2280. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm blessed. But uh, I do have a, a question that I am inquiring about. Okay, I was listening in on. I came in on the tail end of the um, of the broadcast, and I'm a gentleman who has been hurt, um, not by just relationships, but by family within the relationship. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how do you heal from that when you still have to endeavor the pain over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the dealing with your past because of a child within the midst. Okay, well, you say, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, well, you, you say, know, okay, you say family, right? Yes, ma'am. Family, okay. uh, well, put it this way, I was with this young lady for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we were together for 12 years, and we had we conceived one child. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, I allowed my younger sibling to come and stay with us, you know, to get on his feet to, you know, because he wanted to move here. He moved here from a, a different state. Okay. And he wanted to move here. I said, okay, well, you come stay with me, you know. And um, in the in the, in the midst of that, they ended up my ex, my son's mother, and him being together. So okay. I put him out my house, and then she left right behind him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now they have a child together. Um, they have a child together. Mm-hmm. So my son and and my nephew are cousins and brothers at the same time. 
Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Well, let me to answer your question. I had to. You don't have to give us specifics, but prior to him moving in, what was the relationship like? Was it good? Was it strong? Was it healthy? What was the relationship? I thought it like? was. Mhm. Okay. I believe that it was. Okay. Um, find out it was something totally different. Okay. So, were you <laughs> believing that from your own perspective? Or was she saying something to to confirm your belief? You're like, was she, you know, you know, maybe was was untruthful about, you know, well, yeah, I think, you know, we're gonna make it, or you know, whatever she was saying, was it, was it? Uh, oh, you, you talking just, about me and her, or me and him? <laughs> no, no, you and her. Like, what was your well, relationship her, like with her? Mm-hmm. It was on, it was on rocky ground, but okay. at the same time, you know, you were, I was always hopeful. Okay, right. Okay, I'm with you. Okay. So do you, okay, so the sibling comes in because he needs to, he's moving from out of town. He's staying with you. Now, this is a, might be a hard question, but I'm just going to ask you. Do you think that the uh, them getting together, was that her way of saying, I want out? And so maybe, did she say in the past that she wanted out? Hello? Oh, we lost him. I hope he calls back. Okay. Um, until he calls back, some kind of way he got dropped from the call. So he'll probably call back. Hopefully he'll call back. Oh, there he is. Let's see if we can get him back. Okay, we got you back? Yes, you have me back. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. In the past, before... The sibling, your sibling, showed up to stay there. By did, did she by any chance say something like she wanted out of the relationship or she won't leave or you know did she give you any clue that she was not willing for it to go on? I believe it was more at at this present time. Uh, how can mm-hmm. I put this? Um, um, put this way, she didn't say nothing. Mhm. Um, but at the same time, actions spoke louder than her than words. I guess you would say. Okay. Okay. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, we did not have the strongest relationship. Okay. After those twelve years. Um, okay. After those twelve years, uh, there was a lot of pain on both ends. Okay. Okay. And I <laughs> and, and honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay, and I was just going to say 12 years is a long time because you're looking at how much you've invested emotionally into the relationship, your time that you invested into the relationship, you know, uh, and we have been programmed that when you've been in a relationship that length of time, for that length of time that you ought to be able to do something that, you know, maybe we should come together and make this thing work, you know, and like you said, you were hopeful, but there were some actions or some signals from the other side that was saying, you know, maybe she was saying, I don't I don't have the same hope that you have. And so I asked that question to lead into asking you, do you think that uh, she did what she did to try to uh, solidify or to say once again, you know, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And so she did uh, the cruelest thing possible, and that was to get involved with one of your siblings. I mean that that's a that's a you could that's a message that's now, clear. My only sibling. Okay, your only sibling. Okay. 
All right. But I mean, but when you think about that, if I don't know if you thought about it, when you think about that, you have to say, okay, this person did something that knew that when she did it, that it was going to sting me for a long time. That wasn't my friend. That wasn't my coworker. That wasn't the guy down the street. That was my brother. And then that was my brother that I let come in to help him out, you know. So I don't know how it got started. I don't know if she made the pass, he made the pass, whatever the case may be. But the the bottom line is for her to follow through with it could have been a way for her, could have been her, uh, unfortunately, a way for her that she was saying to you, I no longer want to be in a relationship with you. And in the past, you didn't get the message. So I'm going to do something that I know will send a message to to it. Then, well, look, I've, hmm? I've also made the statement to her on several occasions, look, if you want to go, go, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, don't get me wrong, I love you, but look, at the same time, I'm like, be honest with you, she was mean as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, we both had we both had our phones. Right. You know, from people coming from Bahamas <laughs> when she went on a trip with her girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, to to me with my infidelities as well. Okay. So, but it wasn't just one having infidelity. Mm-hmm. We both did, but as, right. as, but, as, as the old people would say, you don't touch home. <laughs> you don't yeah. go, you don't play. Yeah. You don't it, hurt it, somebody, but that right. one is not normal right. for right. our people, I'm going to say. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Right. It yeah. was just, yeah, and, and even though there was a fault on both sides, the, the bottom line is there's always um, – uh, one thing that you said, you said that she was mean, and usually mean people do a lot of hate, hurtful and hateful things. Period. They just do. So the um, she was sending a message when she did that. I mean, it, it was to, it was to sting, it was to hurt you, because she really didn't have to do that. There was some, I'm sure, as you said, there's some other possibilities or some other options that she had, but to actually do that and then to do that in the in the actual envir- home environment. That is that's even worse, you know, because so, well, they're right there. Yeah. Hmm. They're still together. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's just a that that's not a good sign. <laughs> they're still so. together, and he's married. Hmm. Did you, what did his you say? Wife, she's married, and his wife is in Chicago. <laughs> so not a good sign. <laughs> so they think and, they're together. Mm-hmm. And the killing part is, me and him came, <clears throat> how can I put this? We come close from time to time, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, I'm the mature one and walk away. Okay. I'm always the mature one to walk away. <laughs> okay. So I tell you, the question was how I'm you get past. Mm-hmm. I'm the eldest brother. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at my younger sibling like, you fool. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I say, look, going to you, going to the house to your wife, the question, the thing that he blurts out is, that's not my wife. My wife lives in Chicago, and he says this in front of her. 
So it's possible that it's just some kind of, unfortunately, with some kind of, it's a lot of game playing going on. But you, the question that you had was, how do you get healed from that? How do you move into healing where you're going to have, you got some choices you have to make. Number one, you have some choices of forgiveness that you have to make. Um, oh, I'm but that's not the problem. The problem that I come into mm-hmm. you know, with uh, dealing with them on a day-to-day basis. You know, I had to see them daily because of my child. Right. So, okay, but and what is that? What is that problem, though? The problem that I have now is just trying to, say, obtain, maintain mm-hmm. a healthy relationship that my son may see a healthy relationship. Now, but, the thing is, I have the keys mm-hmm. to operate as a but the the problem that I find is that I don't find healthy women. <laughs> I find more women that want to be, excuse what I'm about to say, thugs, want to be men, want to be tatted up from the head to the toe. Okay. God has preserved me. I know this. Because mm-hmm. trust me. <laughs> Much prayer went up, much prayer, much pray, and I'm like, right now I'm doing his will because I'm like, I had nowhere else to go. And he told right. me that I had to do what he wanted me to do, and I'm doing it now. So okay. I, I, I'm doing what he wants me to do, but at the same time, it's a lonely walk. Right. <laughs> Not, well... Okay, you got to get healed from that. Not necessarily lonely, just walking alone for a minute. So if you're feeling lonely, you got to do something about that. I, I'm like, I stay busy. I cook, okay. I clean, mm-hmm. I close. <laughs> okay, I'm but let me, right, let me say this to you. Number one, you said how can you, um, you want to, uh, ha- trying to show um a healthy relationship to the to your child. You're not going to be able to do that in that in that in that relationship with the three of you. You can do it um, when you have your child by yourself, and you can maintain some gentleman qualities and some mature quali- uh, qualities about yourself when you are around them, but it's going to be really hard to show your child a healthy relationship because the, that particular situation is not healthy. And no matter, it's unhealthy. And, I'm, and if it's unhealthy, you cannot get healthy out of unhealthy. So you're not going to be able to show your child through that relationship with the, with the, with those two, that, that you, your brother, and, and the ex-girlfriend. There is no healthiness there. So you're not going to be able to, to ex- make that, triangle that relationship appear healthy because it's not founded on healthiness. So you can't you can't show your, your child healthiness from that situation. It's, you just can't do it. What you can do is you can you can be matured, you can be um polite and cordial uh, when you are around them with your child, but for your own emotional security, it may mean that when when you visit with your child, you may have to pick your child up and take your child o- away from them, and what I mean by that is, for you to build that healthy relationship with your child that you desire, then when you go pick your kid or go visit your child, you may have to pick up and say, "Daddy, want to take you somewhere," and you now have to take your child to the park, to the movie, to wherever, back to your house. It doesn't matter, but you're gonna to have to when you visit, you have to take he the child. Oh, he lives. The, the, well, when, when they come over or something. 
they pick him up from school. And they they pick him up from and, school and, and bring him. To, hmm? And I help him with his homework. Okay, so, they. But but wait. I mean, but she helped. Yeah, mother he was, helped him with his homework. Mm-hmm. And I go pick him up. <laughs> okay. Because they, they and now the the original arrangement was we were supposed to meet somewhere. Mm-hmm. But the fact my brother put his two okay. things in. Okay. He said, well, she don't need to leave the house. Okay. So I well, go there okay. and pick him mm-hmm. up, and then it's arguments or whatever else that okay. he tries to start, and I try to okay. so lay it low. So what you may need to do is you may need to tell his mother that um, when I come to pick my child up, I need you to – how old is the baby? I'm saying he's baby, 11, but – He's 11. Now, now. This, well, this I say baby, but I don't really – I don't mean baby here. <laughs> but oh, no, you no, – you, you, but what you may have to do is you may have to you may have to now start setting um since let me just put it to you like this. You are the one that has to set the the boundaries and the rules in the relationship now. Because even though yeah, both of y'all had your faults, but she crossed that boundary. So now you have to set the rule. The rule is you pick him up, if that's the agreement, if you pick him up from school, that's cool. When I come to pick him up, what I need you to do is and this this is just a suggestion you may consider, I need you to stand at the door and I need you to just watch him walk to the car. I don't need to come in and get him. I need you to Walk him to the door, say your goodbyes for the day, and I need you to just watch him come to the car. That keeps the confusion down. If every time you go in the house that there's an argument or your brother kicks up an argument, now you have to I don't outsmart. Go into their house. Okay, I, I well, how does mm-hmm. <laughs> um, This is the funny part. Just what you said is what I do mm-hmm. right now. I, I don't even get out of the car. Matter of okay. fact, I've been to their house. I have never seen the inside nor the backyard or anything else. I stay in my car, and I say, I wait for my child. He comes to the car. I thank God for that. But the problem that I have is that my relationship, trying to obtain one mm-hmm. in this in this mixed-up craziness that mm-hmm. I deal with, <laughs> it seems like I never, I can't hold on to one now. So okay. Yet, the dysfunctional one. I look at and see every day they're holding on, even though I hear nightmares, should we say, from my child. <laughs> right. So they, so if you hear nightmares from your child, you really can't say they're holding on. What you can say is that they're going on in their craziness, right? So they're continuing on in their craziness. That's not necessarily holding on. They're holding on to craziness, but that's not the kind of holding on you're talking about. If you want to get to that place where you experience a good, healthy relationship, then you're going to have to possibly do what I said about clearing out that emotional clutter. Sit down and write down all of your feelings. It doesn't, it, it, you know, the, the negative feelings that you're having right now, period. It's, it's not a judgmental thing you're looking at yourself. You're just identifying what are these negative feelings that I'm having right now. And then right next to it, say, how do I want to feel? Okay, I might be angry about what happened to me, but now, okay, that's going on. I now want to feel this way. And then once you write down those positive things, what steps do I need to take to get right here? Okay, if it means that I have a relationship with my son and I have to curtail or suppress or stop the relationship with his mom for right now, other than to say, hey, I'm I'm outside, send him out, you know, then you may have to do that. You may have to distance yourself other from 
even that relationship with the exception of picking him up in the afternoon and him walking to the car. You have to set those boundaries and mean it, you know, and say this is just the way it's going to be, you know, and that's it. They can live any kind of craziness they want, but if you want to be better and become healthy, you have to set that boundary and you have to say, you can't cross this right here. And in the privacy of your own prayer time in your life, you have to begin that journey. You uh, you have to, if, if you're angry, even today, and you and you may not be, I'm just using that as an example, even if you're angry about her, your ex-girlfriend, crossing that line, having a relationship, uh, intimate relationship with your brother, put it down there and then say, you know, and then work through that in the privacy of your own prayer closet. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to take the steps to say, okay, I'm going to go on a relationship fast right now. I don't need to have a relationship with anybody other than my kid right now. But a romantic, intimate relationship or personal relationship, I'm going to go on a relationship fast so I can clear the clutter, the, get get the clutter out so that I can establish, reestablish myself, become grounded in the man that God has created me to be, who my, the person that I am, identify my strengths, my qualities, my goodness, my the, 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 the characteristics that would be attractive to a woman. I want all of those to come back to the surface because in relationship we're moving our emotions. And so it's your emotions that's drawing them thug them thug looking for them women looking for thugs. So God, I need to do a relationship fast so the next time I even think about going to a relationship, I've already cleared out that clutter and I can Hello? I lost you. Did I lose you? No, Hello? I'm here. Hello? Okay, I thought I lost you. Okay, oh. no. <laughs> okay, so, so what have you done all of that? See, that's the thing about it. I've done everything you just said, I've already done. Okay. But the problem so, that I still want it the problem that I still run into is that even when, and I know you're a minister, and don't get me wrong, I do understand ah, that. Okay. I've dated ministers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I won't put it away. I've dated ministers. Mm-hmm. No, I am a, might as well say, I am a generational minister. Okay. From, might as well say, from my great-granddaddy up to now. And it looked like my son is falling in in line also because we always been I've always been set apart from most people. I don't think like most people because mm-hmm. <laughs> most ministers I know. I, I'm not gonna tell you what they say. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the men ministers I know said ain't no way that he would have got away or she would have got away unscathed. Um. But through my love of Christ, mm-hmm. I was able to do all those things and come out with my sanity because, to be honest with you, I was on borderline about to lose it. Mm-hmm. It's God to bring me back. That's what I'm saying. Right. For the things that you're saying, I do understand. I've already done those things. And I wrote those things down, and those things, I, don't get me wrong, I'm attractive in those aspects. Mm-hmm. Or as a woman talking to me, mm-hmm. you know, we communicate. But at the same time, I'm the one who always get played. <laughs> right, but what? But there has to be something there that either you missed 
in writing down or, you know, that self-examination or is something that you're holding on to that maybe you don't realize that you're holding on to. And the reason I say that is because if, I'm just going to say every day, if every day or every other day when you go pick your kid up, you know, if there's some kind of drama that surfaces, there is something that's getting in the way of you being released from that drama. And you have to discover what that is. Because that's what's keeping you from moving forward. You know, you have that desire, everything, but the mere fact that you have to see those, see them every day or possibly see them every day by picking him up, then you that's what I mean by you got to set some boundaries and you got to stick to those boundaries. Because it is the daily connection or seeing them every day is something that's happening that's keeping you where you are. And so you have to find a way to disconnect from all of that drama that's going on right there with the brother and the ex-girlfriend. you got to find a way to do that. And it, it might have to be cold turkey. It might appear hard. It might seem hard. And what I mean by that, harsh, rather, I should say harsh. But for your own sanity and for your own emotional being, you have to do it. You may have to sit your your son down, and you may have to say there's going to be some changes for a while. You know, you know, I pick you up. I'm still can't continue to pick you up, but Daddy cannot uh, right now, um, have any uh, communication or engagement with Mama. You know, and you can let him know if anything goes, if anything is happening to you up in the house. Let Daddy know, and I'm gonna I'm handle that particular thing. But you have to find a way or find out, and you may need to pray and ask God to show you what is that thing that still has you connected to that drama. And what is it that continues from that connection that allow that has you in a place where you are drawing the wrong type of women, where you're the one that now is getting played? It's something. It's a missing piece in your understanding about everything. That, and I don't mean the overall picture. I mean about the core of your being. It's, it's something missing there that you have to actually uh, focus on and then actually begin to build or either cut out or build up again, whatever that is. So you may have to do some more fasting and praying and say, God, what is it that has me con- still connected to all of that stuff that went on that is causing me to draw women into my life who continuously play me, get over on me? You know, what is that? You know, you have to find out what that is. And once God reveals it, then you have to do something about that particular thing. And that's what's going to ground you back into the man that God intends for you to be. You know, that's going to that's what's going to ground you. You got to find that out, find out what that is. And a lot of times we stay connected to situations and people because, you know, a kid or a family or something is involved. But sometimes you're going to have to, you, sometimes you have to remove yourself from all of that. Even if it is a family situation, you have to remove yourself so that you can reclaim yourself. So that you can say, no, no matter what you guys are doing in there, you have no authority, no claim, no nothing on this being right here. Not my mind, not my thoughts, not my emotions, not my conversation, nothing. You know, the only thing that I have connection is uh, the sun. So you have to find a way to, to reclaim every part of your being. It's something that's still connected. You have to find out what that is, and then you have to say, hmm? It's my son. Okay, well, okay, what is what? My son is the one who 
as I say, God God is doing a mighty work in him as well. But at at the same time, he he's a family child, Mm -hmm. and he wants unity and trying to as I as I try to explain it to him is that Daddy loves your mama. Mm-hmm. He loves your uncle. But ain't no way that they ever go back to your mama. I gave her the chance to come back. I've even offered to open the door for her to come back. And she she could choose to stay where she's at. So as I explained to him, you know this. And you know, it hurts me because I have to tell him in that manner. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what hurts me the most because my child, I see him being affected by it, you know. And that's why, you know, I think that's more so why I push for a relationship that's healthy. And I'm like, and I, 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 it's hard, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Okay, so is he is he is he really hurt by the separation or is he hurt by what's going on in the house right now? I think both, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, because... Uh, because there's, many, there's many a day mm-hmm. that... Because, wait, we had to, he had to go see a counselor not long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the school requested that he go see, that he go see a counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, someone who was certified. Right. Not the school counselor, but... Right. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he went to the school counselor and went and asked for... A, for what? A hammer and a knife. Mm-hmm. And he said he wanted the hammer to hit himself upside the head and a knife to dig the grave. Okay. And why did he want to do that? He didn't know how to, he, the pain that he endures, I guess you would say. Right, but where is the pain coming from? A little bit of everything. My son has he has he has. Let me explain my child. My child has severe eczema. Over ninety five percent of his body. Mm-hmm. He cannot eat the food that most people would be able to eat, such as corn, wheat, right, mm-hmm. um, pork, beef. Right. He's allergic to pretty much everything except for chicken and turkey. Okay. He get teased by that. He get teased about the food that he eats. Mm-hmm. He's a chunky kid. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, more so, I believe, from the steroids. His daddy is, I'm going to say, obese. We're, we're all good-looking people, but, you know, daddy mm-hmm. has a problem with obesity. Right. His mama has a problem with obesity. His mm-hmm. uncle has a problem with obesity. Um, he sees his mother and uncle arguing. Only why I know this is because of my mother. Because he, he, my son mm-hmm. does not okay. talk to me. He talks okay. to my mother. Okay. You know, when I try to communicate mm-hmm. with him, he, they shut him down from talking to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they shut him down big time. I don't know how, but they did. Yeah. And, um, Due to that lack of communication, we cannot talk to each other. You know, I have to try to pick out what's going on. Okay, but he stay, but you he stays with you. Yeah. Okay, let's start right he there. He stays. Hmm. He stays with me during the during the week. 
on the weekend. Right. He goes. He goes over, over there. Them. Right. Right. And, okay. But he mm-hmm. has a constant relationship with his mom, and his uncle is always there because I don't believe he's working anywhere. Mm-hmm. His mother has a very good job, and that's what his uncle wanted. Okay, let me tell you something. Okay, several possibilities. When he goes to the school, if he if he actually is being teased at school, um, the, the hammer and the knife situation could come from being teased at school, teased and bullied at school. That's a possibility, okay, when he's at the school. And so whenever they do that, whenever the, the kid says, you know, I want a hammer and a knife because I want to hit myself in the head and I want to dig a grade, they are supposed to, you know, see to it that he gets the help that he needs because that's a seri- he's saying something serious. So it could be from being teased or being bullied at school. However, uh, it also can be from what's going on in the house with the mother and the brother, not necessarily the separation that you have from the mother. See, that's why you're going to have to find out what it is because it's a lot of kids, the parents are separated, and they're just they're fine. It's something else going on in that house that's causing that kind of dis, uh, mental distract, uh, distraction and that kind of pain that he has. It's something going on in that house. And so either you're going to have to find a way uh, to uh, talk to him when he's with you through the week. That's what I'm saying about you have to re, um, let me start to say it. You're going to have to set the boundaries and you're going to have to recreate and reestablish the atmosphere in your home with him, even though they shut him down, and if they shut him down, they use fear to do it. I promise you, they said something that he's scared. He's scared to death to say anything. They shut him down with fear. If he's eleven, he's shut down with fear. They've told him something that they're going to do to him if he says anything. Okay, so you have to get him in your environment, and you have to begin to, to talk to him and let him know when you're here with Daddy, you're in a safe environment. Whatever you say to me. It will not leave here unless they, you know, of course, he's telling you something that they're doing to him. That's different. But you have to convince him. That's how you break that fear off of him. You have to convince him that I don't care what they've told you over there. Well, if you have something you need to tell me, you tell me it'll never leave this house. You have to give him a safe haven. And he has to know that he has a safe haven with his dad. Right now he's gripped with fear because mom and uncle have told him, I promise you, and said something to him where they said, if you tell your dad that this, this, and this is happening in here, here's what's what we're going to do to you. He's gripped by fear. or So you have to break that fear some kind of way off of him, and that's going to come through you establishing a safe environment with him. you got to constantly reaffirm him and reassure him that you are safe with me. You can tell me anything. I'll never repeat it. And then you have to let him know what things that you will repeat or when daddy will step in and fight for him. Dad's not going to let anything happen to you. So if it ever gets that bad, you got to tell me. You must tell me so dad can go to bat for you, so dad can fight for you. Don't you? He may know it, but where you need to get him now is where he trusts dad 110%. And that when I'm at daddy's house, I know I'm safe. You have to reestablish that, that atmosphere for him. When it gets to the place where the child goes to school and tells the counselor what your son did, it, like I said, it could be from the bullying or the teasing at school, but the bottom line is he feels like he's reached his, his, the end of his rope and he needs help. What he's saying is I, I'm probably better off not being here. So you have to find out why he thinks that. Yes, they're going to send him to the counselor. Or yes, he's going to go to a counselor, but it has to be 
you need to reestablish the relationship where he talks to daddy and tells you everything. And you have to say, this is a safe environment. When you come to daddy's house, you don't ever have to be fearful of nothing, period, nothing. So you can talk to me about anything. Feel free to breathe, take a deep breath here. He's on egg pin shells and, and what do you call eggshells and pins when he's over there with his mom and the uncle. I guarantee you he probably is trembling in his boots when he's with them. So you have to give him another environment where he feels safe, where he can open up because you don't want anything. You don't want him to even come up with another idea where he's going to take his own life, you know, where he feels that he's it's so hopeless, you know, because it may not necessarily be about uh, mama and daddy getting back together. It may be that he wants to get out of that house. You know, he don't want to go over there. You know, he doesn't but like it over there. He done made arrangements already. He, he don't go, he don't stay over there long. He go over there and visit his mama and his little brother. And then he's on his way to my mom, my mother's home. Yeah, um, see, it's it's something in that house. Yeah. Look, he, he makes his way over to my, my, my mother's home and he's like, it's peaceful over here. Yeah, he's like that. We both like peace, and we don't like yeah. we don't like confrontation. Right, and and, so and I'm, like, see, I'm a, I'm an only I was raised as an only child. So mm-hmm. when I found out I had a brother, I embraced him. I loved him as if we grew up together. I loved him, but the thing is, I didn't realize he resented me. Okay, and, re- and I've you know. <clears throat> Talking with family, you know, family members. Mm-hmm. The why he resented me because one, I'm the eldest grand. Second, I'm the I'm the love, you know, the love child of, of the family, being the oldest, you know. And I'm like, I never treated you any different. You know, I loved you the most. You know, I loved you as you know as we grew up together. We had to say, Mama. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Matter of fact, the funny thing is, I was the only one he did to try to do this to. I have a cousin right now still looking for him, want to find him, <laughs> because he tried to tear his house up. Yeah. I say, you know what? That's a demonic spirit. <laughs> right, right, and that's what I'm saying. You have to find a way. Now, you you have no control over that. They can do their own thing. But when it comes to your your son, you have to now set those boundaries, and you have to recreate the atmosphere for your son, and um, you have to put your foot down, and that's that. And then if you need to legally, do what you have to do legally, because if you don't, what's going to happen is you're going to find your son in a bad place, and you don't want that to happen. So far as you are concerned, you have to make, this is a decision that you have to make yourself, but it sounds like from what you're telling me, is that you need to consider or possibly consider making the uh, decision that you really just can't have any contact with them. It's just not good right now, you know, and you really need to, re- when I, I, don't mean this, I don't mean this negatively when I say it like this, reestablish yourself. you got to get yourself back. you got to reclaim yourself, you know, because a lot of times when we get hurt and wounded in relationship, we, do, we, we lose a part of ourselves, you know, because especially in a situation like you've been in, I mean, that is heavy, heavy devastation. Nobody expects that. Especially, like you said, our people. We just don't expect that. It can happen, though. And when it does happen, you know, it's like, wow, I still can't believe you did that. You know, 
So what you have to resolve is, okay, you did. I have no control over your actions. However, I do have control over how I respond to what you did. It is not wise for me to continue to have a relationship with you because I'm not getting anywhere. I'm becoming more more frustrated, and I'm drawing more frustration to my life. So we can't have that. So now I have to reestablish my life so that I can regain myself and position myself to receive the peace, joy, love, and happiness that God desires for me to have. So if it means I have to be disconnected from you, then I have to be disconnected from you. That's just the bottom line, you know, because guess what? Hmm? I've recently gone through those processes. I don't communicate to them except via through my mother and and also um, maybe via text with her. Okay. Uh, but as far as talking to them, they've been holding conversations, trying to uh, maintain a cordial and family environment, you know, cordial and family environment when it's not wanted. And, right. You know, that, that's, I'm like I've I, I've already put that on the altar. As, as the old people would right. say, I put that on the altar. Right. And, uh, all they I can do is just say, Lord, bless them. You know, you know, be lenient on them because of 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 the situation. Well, know? well, okay, but you know, here, here's the thing: God's not going to bless it if your if if your brother is still married. God does not bless mess. You know, God, that's your you handle that situation. I need my life back. I need my son back and ask God to show you what it is that you need to do. I mean, it's going to take a, a strong, I mean, really it's going to take a disconnection. You know, uh, it's hard to be in the front of somebody who's done that to you on a repeated basis and think that it's just going to not surface in your mind some kind of way, you know. So you really will have to make some tough choices. And you have to do what's best for you emotionally, and you have to do what's best for your for your son. And um, and I'm look, I know you're talking about both of I'm sorry. No, 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 I no, no. It's no no problem. You know, I don't mind helping you. It, but it, what I'm saying is, it, you're gonna have to make some tough choices. And those and, and when you make those choices, those just talk, this is what I want you to remember: you are in control. That's what you got to remember. You're in control because the violation was done against you. So you're in control. So you're the one that gets to to set the boundaries and say, this is what's going to happen. And if you need to and your son needs to stay with you all the time, you know, un, un, until his mother his mother makes some more healthy choices in relationships, then you need to find out legally what can you do until that happens. And I think that if you talk to somebody, you're going to find out that you, you probably can uh, – curtail even that just for the mere fact that he went to their to the uh, counselor saying that he wanted a hammer and a knife that's crucial that right there would get you get him put to you for a hundred percent of the time so you have to do what's best for you and do what's best for your son because if your son did that i'm telling you it's either about the the teasing at school or it is about all of the chaos that's going on with mama and uncle at that house, and if your son is already going to say hi, and then immediately turn around going to his grandmother's house, then he has already figured out how to get out. It's, it's more than he can bear at, at 11 years old. That means that it's too much. It's too much. So if he's already down the street, or you know what I mean, at your mom's house, then some kind of way he figured out how to get, how to say hey, how y'all doing, and get out the house and go to his well, grandmother's. Well, doesn't agree with him. Mm-hmm. Her father's with you. I believe she even knows that it's an unhealthy environment because um, 
she doesn't mind him going over there. Matter of fact, she kind of insists mm-hmm. that he go over there. But at the same time, I know my son is looking at the situation that, hey, my brother is there, you know, and he gets to stay and, you know, like I said. Did he say he that? Did. Put it this way, he, he said it, but he didn't at the same time. Oh. You know, you kind of look at the, you know, at the face and like, okay, son, you know how you know your child. I don't know if you have any children or not. But how um, you know what he's thinking, though? We've talked, like I said. Okay. We, 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 yeah, because, you know. my mother. He okay. talked to my mother. And my he brother might... related to me. How old is his brother? His brother is three. Three. So he, so he might, not to take away from him, he might be concerned about his brother. And if he is concerned about his brother, it's because he just seen something done to his brother. You follow me? It's, well, it's still the brotherly love, but it's something else he's seen. And you got to get him to open up because you need that information. You need it. So he... He won't give uh, it, it to us. He won't. We've tried. Even through the counselor. We, I mean, through yeah, his but, therapy. But, yeah. His therapy, he has a lot of locked up stuff up in there that's going on right. in his young mind. But the advantage that you have as a Christian, the advantage that you have, the Word of God says the anointing destroys the yoke. He got a yoke on him right now where he's fearful and he's afraid, like you say, locked up. You got to pray and ask God to give you a creative way of approaching your son so that he can feel safe talking to you. The fear has gripped him. They have said something to him, and it, and he's locked in fear. So you have to destroy that fear hole that's on him. So you have to pray and ask God to give you a creative way to actually break that where he's comfortable enough with dad to move beyond that fear barrier because, you know what, if I tell my dad, I know my dad's going to protect me. See, fear what? has gripped him. So you have to find a way where you can break that fear. Hmm? I said, you know, I always tell him, but, you know, what you're telling me, I tell him mm-hmm. that daily. Okay. And even if I ask him sometimes, in the beginning part when I said, son, how you doing? He was scared to even answer that part because he didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, and he just break out and cry. Right. Right, something's right. Something's going on. You got to find out what that is. You have to find out what that is. That's just not him crying because mom and dad are not together. That's something going on. So you have to find out what that is. If he's afraid to even say how he's doing, that's something going on. So you have to. Uh, you may want to spend some time in the Word of God. Says some things only go out through prayer and fasting. So you may want to spend a couple of days praying and fasting and saying, God, I need a strategy. Show me a strategy where I can reach my son and show me a strategy where I can uh, handle all of this situation, but at the same time separate myself from it so that I can be who you created me to be. So you might it may mean that you just visit mama. You don't go over there. You know, it may mean that, okay, you know, um, does your mom live in walking distance or something? Is that how he's getting to her house? No, he, uh, they'll drop him off. Or he, oh, okay. Okay. That's not well, for this because even if I can, this way, he, my brother may have never said it, but he shows it that okay. he really don't care for to be over there. So what you may need to do because, is hmm? because the way I raised my child, right? Raised it's all, and, and it's all about the I'm hatred towards you. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, it's all about how he feels towards you. You know, I raised my child to be loving, mm-hmm. uh, a friend. He, 
into a lot of people. Right. You Let me know, tell you, and, but it's, it's, and it's really. And my brother, he raised his child to not be a part of anybody. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, basically, when, the way he was raised, he got put out of his mother's home at the age of 16. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't get me wrong, they, you know, they, they are, they're good as thieves now, but he went through some things out there on the streets of Chicago. And I was basically his his sounding board. You know, he talked to me and, you know, I gave him encouraging, you know, support while he was going through what he was going through. Whereas with my mother, she wouldn't have never done that. You know, she's like, mm-hmm. oh, we ain't gonna have this, you know. You know, I don't, you know, I don't play that. But, you know, you try to do what you can do. Right. Well, it's no longer your, your concern, right? I mean, you know, it's just. You know, you know, they always say, are you your brother's keeper? And, you know, the you know, the Bible says you got to love your brother, you know, love your enemies as well as you love yourself. How can you yet you say you love me if you don't love, you know, you got to love. And that's all I can show them is love. Mm-hmm. Even in the midst of knowing that they despise me, they hate me. Okay, and, the Bible says love you your know, neighbor as yourself. It says to show love to your enemies. However, one thing I, I can tell you, right, one thing for sure is like this. We can't take the place of God. You cannot be responsible for him. You can't carry him like that. You know, um, you can love him with agape love and with godly love. But mm-hmm. right now, for your own being, because the Bible tells you that you're not to be connected to a fool. The Bible tells you not to have any... To, to be a partaker with a man who's in sexual immorality and who refuses to change. You can't even break bread with him. So there are some things in the scripture that tells us based on what you're... Hello? 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 I think I lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Okay. So that's what I mean by you have to make some tough decisions. It is not your responsibility to carry him. It's not your responsibility to carry her. You have to cast those cares on God. You can't change them. They have no desire to want to be changed by you, and so you have to let that go. That is what I mean by there is something that's still going on that you're connected to that's causing you to draw the kind of relationships that you're drawing. You have got to release them. You've got to let them go. So what it may mean is when you go pick your son up, you may have to ask your mama for the next couple of weeks, Mama, can you go by the house and get him? I'll come get him from your house. You have to put yourself in a place where you can reclaim yourself, get yourself back. You know, we are not responsible. The Bible says this. Do not rescue a man from his sins because if you do, you have to keep rescuing him. You are not responsible for him. You know, you can love him with the love of God, but you are not responsible for him. Now, you are responsible for your son, though, but you're not oh, responsible yeah. for, you know, but you're not responsible for your brother. You're not responsible for your sister. Those are adults. They are responsible for their own actions. And they are telling you in so many words, leave me alone, you know. I don't want to be bothered with you. So you have to break that connection. Let them, you know, let them go on. Let them. Well, I, 
I, I've separated myself, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I had to because if I wouldn't have, uh, uh, like as I said earlier, I would have lost it. Uh, on, like I said, my biggest, you know, my biggest concern is just trying to, you know, make sure that from this point on, I can have a a healthy, you know, relationship. Right. And I, my thing is, I can give wholeheartedly. Right. To a woman, I'm gonna just say, even a woman of God, you know, who loves the who loves the Lord, who preaches His gospel, mm-hmm. and still, I say, um, what? Uh, a year later, she's getting married to another dude in the midst of why we were still together. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Something is something. There is something there that maybe you haven't identified yet that makes that happen. You have to find out what that is. And I, once I, 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 I've come to the, uh, a point to where I believe it is the fear of commitment because of the pain, you know, because of the right. hurt that I have. Right, right, right. And so I have, have to, never really known uh, a healthy relationship for the man and a woman because. Mm-hmm. Except for my grandmother and grandfather, and he died when I was still young, and right. my mother and father were not together. So you know. It, it, yeah, yeah. So it goes back to what I don't know. I I, yeah, I don't know if, what part of the show you came on, but I talked about that emotional programming, and it goes back to your childhood. It goes back to what were you? What did you see when you were growing up? What type of you know? What type of relationships and what what way did you experience love and how do you what do you equate with love that determines that and so if there's a fear of commitment there there's a reason why it's there and so that's that thing and so I'm glad you said that so that's the thing you have to pray to, that God to, for God to deliver you from and so still you have to I'm gonna use the word isolate but you're gonna have to isolate yourself or become secluded where God can deal with you without all that other drama going on you that's what I mean by you got to find a secret place. You know, and go into prayer about it in your secret closet where God can deal with you about that. Because if that's it right there, so if that's it, you have to find a way for God to deal with you privately. And you cannot, God can't deal with you with all that other stuff. You're going to miss all that other stuff. So it's it's going to be, I know it's a hard decision because your son is involved. But you but you keep your son Monday through Friday. You, you see what I'm saying? You pick him up in the afternoons, and you know. So that's what I'm saying. Ask your mom to pick him up so that you won't have to go go get him from your mom's house. And this is for season. I, hmm? I fix his lunch. I fix his breakfast, and yeah. they say I don't do nothing. But they just, they have convinced yeah. him that his father doesn't do anything. <laughs> and I right. I said, I him, if I don't do anything, how you got a roof over your head? How right. do you say I'm hungry, you eat? And you remember, know you got to yeah. eat an ass. And see, that's what I'm saying. you got to remember he is 11. And cognitively, he can't process all that stuff. He doesn't right. have the ability to process it. He just knows what you're saying, that he got a mama saying something, somebody else saying something. That's why I say you have to you have to set the boundary, and you got to do some tall, 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 tall talking to him to convince him that it's safe being with you. Because, I mean, they they saying all kind of stuff around him. So you have to Kirk, ask God to show you how to do that, you know, so how you can he get it. He broke out crying the other, uh, matter of fact, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Daddy, I'm just tired of them talking about you. Right. He, 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 
He right. said, you don't even do them that. They didn't talk right. about Right. I say I'm glad you I'm glad you started to see that son. I'm really right. glad. You know. And, you have, mm-hmm. and that's what I mean. And that, so that proves that you have to just pray and ask God to show you how to handle that because he is so young. And so you have to find the right words, the right way, right way to present it, but he has to start feeling extremely safe around you because when he goes with them they're adamant about speaking negative about you they're adamant about it so you have to ask god to show you a creative way to dismantle all the words that they've spoken over him and the effects that it has taken the effect and the affect that it's taken upon his life god how do i in the spirit realm dismantle what they're doing with their words over the life of my son that's what you got to do. And then pray for God to deliver you from that fear of commitment. And to be honest with you, I, when my child was born, I gave him to God. Mm-hmm. And to be perfect with you, like I told God, I, and I said to God, I don't know what I'm doing. I give him to you to raise. And I raise him. I support him. I do everything I can for him. And to be honest with you, God, the funny thing is, have you ever heard of a, a six-year-old after being baptized just dance all over the church? I've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the same time, this church where he was baptized, which is my home church, he is trying to start a junior deacon ministry <laughs> Okay. at the age of 11. Mm-hmm. Where there's nothing but grown men, he said, uh, we need a junior deacon. <laughs> He's trying to okay. incorporate a junior deacon ministry. And see, and that's good, and that's why I'm saying you have to shelter him and give him. Um, the spirit of Yeah, but you have to give him a safe environment. Because while he's trying to do that, on the other side of where he is, they're trying to kill his spirit, and they're and they're working to some degree. They're trying to kill his spirit, so you have to take control of that situation, and so do whatever you have to do. I mean, even legally, if you have to um, find a way to get full custody for, him, even if it's temporary, do what you have to do for his safety, and then, like I say, pray for God to deliver you from the fear of commitment, show you where it's coming from, have you you know resolve it in the spirit realm, and then so you can go on so that you can have the relationship that you desire uh, to have. Um, but those are the, I would say those are the two steps that you have to take, especially when you're signing. It's real crucial. It's going to be real important that you get him out that environment. It doesn't matter whether his, whether your ex-girlfriend bucks, bucks it, gets angry, gets mad. It doesn't matter. The most important thing is to get him out the environment because whatever's going on is killing his spirit. And so and he's fighting. But what you're saying is what my mother told me not long ago. She okay. said, Byron, you know you are your son's spiritual uplifter. I mean, you're the one who protects his spirit right now. You're the one who try to help keep him whole. I said, I do. Yeah. So. I, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, I took, I took the But all that happened, I took the charge, even though it was not mine to take. I took it. And I said, Whatever it is, I want to make sure that my son, try to make sure that my son never has to, how can I put this, experience the things that I've experienced and whatever demons or whatever this is going against me, 
you know, I just pray that God continues to fight, keep the heads around him that he doesn't have to go through those things. And right now, I guess you just say I hurt more for my child as well as myself. I, 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 maybe I'm just talking babbling. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, but I, I do thank you for your okay. uplifting words. You're welcome. And um, as a matter of fact, I think I'm on. I'm like, this is my first time listening to you, and uh, I think okay. I will be back again. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And so I just want to encourage you to prayerfully consider the things that I mentioned, especially for the for your son's sake and as well as for your own sake. But if you, I, I, you know, if you would try those two things, I think you'll be on your way to coming out of that rut, so to speak, that emotional rut, you know, and um, it'll give you uh, some stability, some confidence, some assurance, you know, and you got to get to the place where you're focused on you and not those other adults and focused on your son. Let that drama go on and be that drama. Let them do their thing. But you focus on you and get all of that straight, and then you, you know, you can um, be ready for anything that God has planned for your life. But I mean, you know, but it is hard though when when something like that takes place, and when you you know you replaying that stuff over and over again in your mind, you have to say, God, I need to filter through all of this, and I need to release it, and I need new thoughts, new attitudes, new perspe- perceptions, perspectives. I need everything new in me. I need to want you to raise or stir up the gift on the inside of me, bring up those qualities you created in me so I can go ahead and be who you want, who I'm supposed to be. And I think you're going to see a change and you're going to, you know, be, uh, see a change over your son's life. But um, it's going to be real crucial to keep an eye on him all the time. But cover him in prayer, plead the blood of Jesus and continue to ask, uh, pray to ask God to give you some creativity on how to break that wall in him so you can get to the core of what's going on so he can feel free to tell you. And he might hesitate at first, but when he tells you the first thing, Thing and then he's confident that dad's not telling and dad is, I'm safe with dad. He'll he, he's going to open up and tell you everything, and that's when you're going to get some insight. But if if he ever, uh, if you're concerned about him, or if he ever does that um, life-threatening situation again, I encourage you to get an attorney to find out how you can get temporary custody of him because you do not want your son to do something. Do not want him at 11 years old to feel like he's at the end of his rope and feel like the best place for him to be is not here. You do not want him at that place. That is because there are some uh, young elementary age kids who are committing suicide, so you don't want him there. So uh, you uh, need to pray about how to handle that. If it doesn't seem to change, you need to get him, and you need to make sure he comes out of that environment. I used to be one of those. That's why I know Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah, the things, like, I, the things I try to explain to him, where you, you are me reincarnated. So basically, he is me. Um, his spirituality is me. His love of people and love of God is me. And because at a young age, I used to hear talk with God, hear God. Communicate with God, and He communicate back with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, be honest with you, I believe I. Should. By the way, I made my mother's relationship with God grow strong. That now she's a minister. Okay. <laughs> so, so well, yeah, 
He has, and let's say this, he he has he has some of your qualities and, of course, the DNA and all that kind of stuff. But he, what's his name, his first name? I, I'd rather not say because okay. he is <laughs> He's, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, he has some of your qualities and he has your DNA and all that kind of stuff, but he still is his separate person. So you have to see him that way. He's, you know, got some qualities that, of daddies and whatever. So don't say he's the reincarnate me because we're all in the, we're different. I know what you mean when you say that, but there's power of life and death in the tongue. He, oh, yeah. he is, yeah, he is his individual, but he has some qualities from his dad. He has some good qualities from his dad, and that is what you want to groom, and that is what you want to continue to. Um, uh, to develop in him But the enemy is trying to snatch that from him And so that's why I say it's important That um, He um, uh, that You get him to a safe environment And so I'm going to encourage you We're down to the, like the last 60 seconds And so I'm going to encourage you to do that um, So that he can Be who God wants him to be And so you can be Confident that your son is safe. That's real important right now. His safety, his the safety of his life is real important right now. So we're going to be back on tomorrow. So if you get a chance, listen tomorrow night at seven thirty Central Time. We're going to be dealing with some other stuff, and then you know, and I'll be more than happy to talk to you again. All right. Well, it was a pleasure. Wonderful. Um, Thank you. Thank you. God bless uh, you. you You have a blessed night. And I thank you for listening to me. You're welcome. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Ginger London. We'll see you on tomorrow night.